Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome back into B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby from Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And Bonnie, when we chatted last week, you were looking at the possibility of snow. So normally we talk about what's happening with us at the end of the show. However, this ties into our main story. So Bonnie, quickly recap the snow that you guys had. So it came through Monday, last Monday, um, early in the morning, like 4 o'clock in the morning. Um. And we got probably uh, two and a half to three inches, maybe a little more in spots, but it was a pretty decent first snow for halfway through November. Um, it didn't hang around very long. Um, it didn't really cause any travel problems because the ground and the road was was well above freezing. And actually the air temperature was barely under freezing. It was 30, 31 degrees. Um, the weird thing was the next day, Tuesday, clear blue sky, not a cloud in the sky, but more cold than the day before with the snow. So then was the passage initially with the snow, was that with the actual cold front? Yes. Okay, that would make sense. Well, so the cold front comes through. It's moving from, you know, basically northwest, southeast, and it's going to start to pick up moisture in the Gulf. Mm -hmm. Um, We saw snow in Oklahoma and parts of Texas, Arkansas, Mm -hmm. into Tennessee, and then our first major winter storm really took shape. Now, um, we name hurricanes because that's a way to remember them. Winter storms, depending on who you work for or who you watch, will either name them or not. I haven't seen more outlets follow the Weather Channel lead and actually take the name of the storm, which was Avery. Um, so our first winter storm. And people were talking about, oh, it's Winter Storm Avery. So, again, I don't know if these publications are connected to the Weather Channel in terms of other, they're just news partners, or people are starting to grasp the idea of maybe naming winter storms. I don't know, Bonnie, where you feel about or how you feel about that, but uh, should we be naming winter storms or should we just keep them winter storms? You know, I think we should just keep them winter storms because. <sighs> I honestly have only just noticed the past few years that it's been that it's been a thing to name sure. winter storms. I've noticed it with the Weather Channel. They started. I remember Winter Storm Ajax a couple of years ago. So I feel like the purpose of naming hurricanes is because one, several could be happening at the same time. Sure. So they want to, you know, be able to differentiate, but then hurricanes cause a different, more intense devastation than a winter storm does. I mean, yes, a winter storm shuts down the city for a while, can cause power outages, but typically it doesn't destroy houses and businesses and level whole cities. And so I just feel like unless it's crazy, insane, massive, then there's just really not a reason to, you know, just keep it with the year. Oh, the snowstorm of 99. You know what I mean? Like we don't name tornadoes. So, and you know, and I and I get the the reason why you want to name something because you, you you hit it on the head. You want to be able to um, be able to Reps. pick out a certain storm, right? And yeah. because you can have multiple storms of ninety nine, or you can have multiple storms of 
you know, 2002 or 2018. But for the first winter storm, it was pretty impressive. I mean, you got two inches of snow in Washington, D.C., six inches of snow in Central Park, New York, which apparently blew the forecast out of the water. They were saying, oh, we might get some flurries, maybe an inch or two, and then we'll transition over to rain. Well, lo and behold, six inches later, the rain finally showed up. But uh, it was one of those storms where, you know, it was hit and miss. Some of the forecast models did really well. The Euro did pretty good. The GFS was off base. Uh, the big winner in ter- right. The big winner in terms of uh, snowfall was Mount Hope, New York. They had 18 inches. Uh, Boston came out of this with just over two inches. So it wasn't, um, you know, major, may, maybe a, per se a major nor'easter, but it did enough to, you know, impact a lot of people. And I love seeing those photos out of New York where all mm-hmm. the cars are stranded. They can't go anywhere. I'm like, you guys should be used to this. Right. But apparently yeah, they're not. Cars anyways. <laughs> right. Exactly. Who has cars in, in New York? Uh, my cousin and his wife live in New York City. They take their car back to Michigan for the winter and then just commute on public transit just because it's just too much of a pain to deal with. So, um, yeah, I mean, I saw that photo. I just kind of chuckled for a minute. But, uh, you know, again, first real winter storm of the year. It's great to see. I loved watching the Weather Channel's coverage. Um, they had Mike Seidel in State College, Pennsylvania. And State College is where uh, Penn State University is. And so he was a Penn State meteorology grad. And to see all the meteorology students, like, you know, completely nerd out on TV, like, oh, my gosh, the weather trail's here. And, you know, we've been over, you know, watching the storm dynamics on, you know, the computers. And it was great to see how old Mike really is. Oh, you guys don't have paper graphs anymore? Oh, you guys don't have to wait till things come across in the teletype? And and the kids are just looking at him like, what are you talking about? (laughs) That's so awesome. it was good. It was it was you know it was good TV for a couple of days, but you know when you look at that stuff, it was just you know it, it was really cool. It was really cool to see uh, retired professors and other people that are really into meteorology and really into weather just kind of geek out and you know it's the first big winter storm. It hits their region, so they get to experience it firsthand. So that part was really cool. Um, and I know yesterday there was more snow coming out of the Rockies, moving across the Midwest, so that. Uh, is now headed to the East Coast. Nothing big per se yet, but um, it's that time of year. Like we said last week, we start to really watch the models. We watch uh, watch what's going to happen, and it's going to be interesting. So uh, to go from one extreme to another, we go from ice to fire. And Bonnie, the fires in California aren't really getting any better, and it still continues to be a really, really sad ordeal. Yes. Um, last I saw is it's like only 50% contained yep. at this point. Yep. Um, a thousand plus people missing, um, at the pictures and videos coming out of that area are just completely scary. And I can't, I can't even imagine living anywhere over there. So <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even have words. It's, it's funny. You, you bring up the campfire, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's still burning around paradise, California. And for all intents and purposes, paradise, California is no more. Um, yeah. I saw a picture earlier in the week where they showed a satellite photo, true color, true color satellite. So you see um, how the earth really looks with all the houses, the apartment buildings and the businesses. And it's kind of built up on the side of this hill. They showed the exact same photo and they had a satellite take it of basically the entire town on fire. And oh. you're, you're only able to pick out the streets because it's the only thing's not burning. And, yes. you know, as you said, it's just over 50 percent contained. It's over one hundred forty one thousand acres. It's the deadliest fire in California history with at least 71 deaths. That number probably will go up. 
Um, I know they were under a red flag warning this weekend, and they probably still are um, for, you know, high winds, dry conditions. And, Bonnie, it looks maybe that there is going to be some relief in sight in the next week, but it's still a long ways out. And these folks, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, you're right, it, it's total devastation, and you really have no words outside of just trying to relay information. But folks aren't, aren't allowed back in yet. Uh, only first responders are still coming in. Members of the media are there to document this. But when you look at every single city block and there really is nothing left, it is burned down to the ground. All you can see is driveways and streets there and ash. There is not even beams or furniture or anything. It is just all ash. And you just can't even imagine that. I just cannot. It, it, it truly is devastating, and our thoughts and our prayers are with the people of California because this is one of those events that is definitely life-changing. And honestly, you know, you'd never know if a city will rebuild after this. You never know if the residents will move back home after this. Um, you don't know if somebody wants to rebuild their house there. And frankly, we don't blame them if they don't want to because, you know, of what they've gone through. Um, and so, you know, the campfire is, is the big story in terms of devastation. We talked about last week, the Woolsey fire down near Malibu. Um, mm-hmm. that's the one that has gone through and it's burned down several homes, um, and a lot of celebrity homes. I saw the list yesterday and it was, it was an impressive list of people who had lost their homes just based on names. And, you know, they apparently call it a rehab Canyon where you have all these drug and alcohol addiction rehab facilities in this area and some of those businesses and some of those homes have also burned down that uh as of yesterday was at 82 percent contained they expect to have it fully contained now on thanksgiving that's burned about ninety-nine thousand acres um and again just you look at it and just devastation and these aren't you know for people that don't understand how wildfires are measured They fly either helicopters and you do a land survey or you take drones and you fly around and you see how much land has burned. And that's how they establish acreage. But when you look at, you know, 141,000 acres, that might seem like a lot. But when you look at it compared to relative scale, it's very, very small. So when you have Mm -hmm. an area like this in Malibu that has burned, it's it's maybe a couple miles wide and that's it. But, again, but still, when you think of it on a like a whole city burned down, sure. like, that's where it becomes intense, you know. So it really is just kind of based on perspective. I mean, right. even one home burned down is it's is not many. good. Yeah. But yeah, when when they were saying that, you know, all of the first responders were completely overwhelmed, and it went from a point of stopping the fire to strictly evacuating people. Mm-hmm. You knew at that point that it was not going to be you know, something that would have a good ending because if your sole purpose is evacuating people out and you don't care if somebody's home burns anymore, you know, something is pretty serious. Yeah. So, I mean, I've seen pictures of those firefighters that go for days at a time and they're just sleeping out in the grass next to their fire trucks and stuff. And I just, you know, hearts and prayers are with them too, you know, because they're, they're on the front lines right now. And they're the ones doing battle. I know there are several groups from my state here in Oregon that have moved down south to help, you know, firefighters in California deal with this. And they're going to be gone for 10 to 15 days. And you're right. It's, you know, help with search and rescue. It's asset protection. It's just trying to, you know, get this fire under control and extinguish it. And like I said, hopefully in the next five to six days, there's rain coming. So hopefully that will do. Um, 
you know, a lot of the work to help extinguish this and get this thing out of control, but we got to get it here now. And, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, three or four or five days is still way too late. Yes. But speaking of weather, Bonnie, what do you guys have on the horizon? Well, um, one thing I do want to mention is that we had a very nice, strong cold front come through last night. Um, I mean, yesterday afternoon was beautiful, so nice, light breeze, not cold, so nice. And then as the evening went on, it got cooler and cooler and windier and windier and windier. And then this morning woke up to a nice layer of ice covering cars and elevated surfaces apparently there was slick spots around my house which is in northwestern oklahoma city there wasn't a lot of slick spots on the roads as far as i could tell but west sides of oklahoma city further west further north had a little bit of some road issues so we kind of had an itty bitty teeny tiny little little ice storm and we're about to come out of it it's going to warm back up 50s for the rest of the week slight chance of rain i think next weekend Next weekend's supposed to be in the high 50s, low 60s. So this was just a really random micro ice storm we just had. It was, you know, it was very interesting. (laughs) That is very strange. Um, Out here in Oregon, we are coming off the second end of a gap wind event. So the uh, Pacific Northwest, um, you know, relatively close to the Pacific Ocean. And we have mountain ranges, the Cascades that run from northern california up through oregon up through the state of washington and then into british columbia where it joins up into the rocky mountains well we get these little gaps in the mountain ranges so the one that we look at the most here in the portland area is the columbia river gorge which cuts through the cascades well this thing creates a wind effect so you get high pressure uh, east of the cascades with a low pressure either a surface or a mid-level low and you know, wind blows from or air moves from high to low. And so it comes through this gap in the uh, Columbia River Gorge. And so this wind can be blowing 10, 15 miles an hour until it gets compressed down to where it shoots out near Portland, anywhere from 50 miles an hour up to over triple digits. So um, in my neighborhood, we've had wind gusting, you know, up into the 20s and 30s, not a big deal. But as you get out closer toward the gorge, those numbers were you know, significantly higher. So we had one of those events earlier this week, Tuesday and Wednesday, kind of died off, and then it ramped back up Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so just one of those things where we're now in that part of the year where you can get these little mini wind events, and uh, they're fascinating. Uh, The next time that we get truly a gap shoot event, um, I'll go up to Crown Point, which is a place in the Columbia River Gorge, uh, about 300 or 400 feet above river level and it's a historic place and it's a bunch of where the weather nerds gather and you can get winds on the steps up above hurricane force so it's just one of those cool uh little microclimate things that we have out here where you can go and see this and um we look forward to it every year and you know if you time it out right you can either get on tv or you know meet up with a radio reporter or someone from the newspaper get your photo in the paper so it's always fun but one of those cool events um other than that there's not much happening i mean we've been kind of in high pressure for the last couple days uh clear today probably clear tomorrow we looks like we're gonna have rain move in midweek and then it's be a wet weekend which is pretty typical for thanksgiving anyways so uh yeah looks like temperatures are going to be uh holding still (coughs) excuse me somewhere in the mid 50s um Lows drop down to around 35, 36, somewhere in there. Occasionally in the outskirts of town, you'll get below freezing, so you have the risk of sometimes some freezing fog. But other than that, it's uh, clear and cold and kind of boring. 
I mean, honestly, ours is too the next week. So hopefully things happen. And typically around Thanksgiving, it's pretty cold. Past few years, we've had some winter precip around Thanksgiving. In fact, two, maybe three years ago, we had a very significant ice storm that began the night of Thanksgiving. I remember that. And then we had another one the same year that began around Christmas. And so those were two pretty devastating ice storms. But this year, it's going to be calm, clear, mild. So I don't know. This winter is really up and down so far. (laughs) Have you ever had a white Christmas, like a true white Christmas? You know, I don't, I honestly, there has been snow on Christmas, but not, not often. I mean, I could be, I could be wrong. You know, I don't remember all the years from being young, but you know, not, not anything significant that I can remember. You know, maybe there's been a blizzard. I want to say there's been one year where there was a pretty good blizzard around Christmas on Christmas, but we will have to dive into that in future episodes because that's one of those fun things that you get to look at. I love every year the prediction map that comes out. Here are your chances of you having a white Christmas this year. And, of course, you know, you live in Southern California or Arizona and Florida. It's pretty much zero. But yeah. everywhere else has a legit shot. So it's always fun. Uh, one quick note here. We had talked about in previous episodes about uh, our satellites on the move. And mm-hmm. it looks like Go 17 has arrived at its operational location. And uh, sent back its first full images of the globe as it's in its final resting spot. Uh, And it will begin operation here in a couple weeks. But, Bonnie, the visuals from those first photos of Alaska and Hawaii were absolutely beautiful. Uh, They sent back a movie, uh, you know, several frames looped together, um, Mm -hmm. showcasing Alaska. And it was great because you had this great westerly flow coming across the islands and you could see some uh, clouds build up against the big island and they of course dissipate when they come down the backside but everywhere from the mid-levels and upper atmosphere was moving from west to east so it was just it was really pretty to see this great flow or sorry the lower level was from east to west and then the upper level was from west to east so it was really cool to see these different types of clouds and different type of movement and Man, I'm so glad to finally have a true new satellite covering the West Coast, because if you look at Oregon on Ghost East, we're like in the upper corner, and it's kind of at a weird angle, so you don't really get a true visual of it. But now that we have our own true new weather satellite, I'm extremely happy. That'll be good. That'll be good. That'll give a really good picture of what's going on on the West Side here, you know, so. Yep. That's exciting. And honestly, I haven't even seen any pictures yet, so I'm going to have to look some of those up because... That sounds amazing. Uh, we will tweet some from our Twitter account. I'll do that here in just a little bit. You can follow us on Twitter at Weather Podcast and, of course, on Instagram at the same thing, at Weather Podcast. Facebook, you can find Bonnie and I at B Squared Weather. Bonnie, it's been another great episode. I'm really excited to see what happens this week weather-wise. Uh, maybe we get some more snow, and I hope the rain holds off for Thanksgiving. Uh, fingers are crossed, but hopefully, hopefully everybody stays dry. Hopefully. We will hear for sure. So Right. Can't wait. Well, Bonnie, I appreciate it. And I am Bobby from Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we appreciate you guys taking a moment to listen to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. And we will talk to you guys next weekend. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye.